Welcome to OK Girl, Let's Talk, a podcast to share our real opinions and chat about dating, our faith, pop culture, and more. So grab a glass of wine or a cup to spill the tea as we laugh through a real conversation on living our best Black women lives. OK, girl, let's talk. Okay, ladies, so today is our second episode of our Mental Health series. Today, we'll be talking to Kiana Blake-Chung of Mental Health Things. She is an author, blogger, social media extraordinaire, um, and one of my personal friends. And so I'm so excited for her to be here today. Okay, girl, let's talk. Kiana, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your blog? Yes, so um, I'm 27. I am a writer, blogger, nanny, bartender, barista, waitress, all that jazz. Um, And I am from Atlanta, Georgia, but I go back and forth between New York City and um, Georgia. I kind of live in two places, so that's pretty cool. Um, (laughs) I started blogging in January, 2020. And um, it's been a passion project. I'm trying to figure out how to make money from it, but I don't really know how at the moment. Um, And um, yeah, I basically um, just started blogging because I um, was in a group of women creatives and they followed me on Instagram and they were like, girl, your captions are too long. So they should be a blog instead. So I, was, I kind of was bullied into blogging. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to share about um, mental illness in a way that is helpful for both people who have it to know that, you know, they're not alone. And people who don't struggle with their mental health to know like what it's like and like how to be a better uh, friend or ally to people who do struggle. Okay, that's cool. I like that. I love that you say you were bullied into it because your captions were too long. <laughs> yeah, I I was not trying to be a blogger when the when everyone was like, "Oh, start a blog." I was like, "Nobody even reads blogs." That's exactly. <laughs> I was like, "Nobody I do. reads blogs." I found out that a lot of people do. <laughs> <laughs> I read a lot of blogs, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Did you read blogs before you started this one? In high school, I read a lot of mommy blogs and pregnancy blogs. Um, yeah, and that was just like my, <laughs> I don't know. I was obsessed with 16 and pregnant, and I had like oh. copies of what to expect when you're expecting. Like, I've just always been like really fascinated with motherhood and pregnancy. So, like, when I was in high school, I was avid on those blogs, but um, I stopped that phase and um yeah I didn't really know that blogs were such a like prevalent form of uh media like I had no idea yeah I feel like everyone who was like in middle school and high school between like 2006 to 2017 tried a blog I know I had three failed attempts at having a blog (laughs) every once in a while I'm gonna resurrect it um but I never do um so that's awesome yeah my first blog I mean there were always lifestyle blogs and I think the problem with it is that I always wanted to like monetize it like I never was doing it just for fun and so like no one read it and then I was just like well you know what I quit Yeah. Um, but it was just lifestyle blogs. I think I I also had really long Instagram captions. No one told me to make a blog, um, <laughs> but I but I did. It wasn't very great. Okay. Did, does Tumblr count as blogging? Because I I had a Tumblr once upon a time. Yeah, um, Tumblr definitely. Counts. It does. <laughs> I had a Tumblr once upon a time. That was a lot of fun, and then I shut that down. Um, because there was way too much porn on that website. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm definitely the oddball out here because I never really read blogs or was on Tumblr. But... Really? mm Mm-mm. I don't... 
I was about to say, I don't like reading, but I don't think that's completely true. But I would, I prefer my media visually. Like uh, YouTube is my jam because I can see it. I don't like YouTube at all. I forget it exists. Like a hundred percent. We all three. That's, that's why. That's why blogging is your lane. <laughs> yeah, I like to. I like to. I I do like to read. Um, for a while, I wasn't reading like actual books, so I thought that that was. Um, you know, I was like, oh, I don't read, mm-hmm. but um, I read fan fiction a lot. I um, I read. Well, I don't really read blogs, but I just like to read. So. I prefer words than the visual content, but I, I understand how you have a favorite and yes, you know, whatever floats your boat. Exactly. But I'm definitely going to check out your blog for sure. Thanks. thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So transitioning from your blog to a little bit more about you, can you tell us about your mental health diagnosis? Yes. So I was diagnosed in 2016 with bipolar 2 disorder and borderline personality disorder and I was diagnosed in 2019 with PTSD as well um I kind of just like I don't know it was it was difficult to accept um at first I had suspected something was up mentally um, when I was reading a um, a Twitter thread, actually, um, on, I think it was on bipolar disorder. And, um, you know, for the first time, I was just like, oh, maybe, maybe something's going on, you know, because, you know, before that, I was just like, everybody has emotions. And I was like, extremely like volatile to even the suggestion but I read that and it gave me more like insight and so I kind of in the back of my brain like knew like okay something's up and um my mom actually said okay the following year I was I was 22 or 23 at the time and the following year my mom my mom was like okay when January comes I'm gonna put you on my insurance we're gonna get it together and we'll get you diagnosed and all that jazz and then I actually attempted to end my life in like like two weeks before maybe even just one week before the end of the year so that kind of threw everything into a um a jilt and I was hospitalized which um I just wrote about that experience on Friday so that is on my blog currently but um, yeah, and, and so when I was there, that's where I got my diagnosis. Um, and I didn't know what BPD was at all. Like I'd never heard of borderline personality disorder and I didn't like the way that sounded cause I was like a personality disorder. Like, like something's wrong with my personality. Like that, that one felt more like attacking. So it took a, it took a while to, um, come around to accepting that like, okay, this, this is real life for me. And, you know, now that I know what's up, I, you know, then I was able to finally get some treatment that I needed. Yeah. That's interesting. I never thought about like how it, how it's like to be diagnosed with something, how to like accept it. Like I've never thought about that process. That's really interesting. Yeah. It it takes some time because you know, you kind of think, especially considering the fact that the doctors who diagnosed me, like they didn't know me. They were just a doctor in a hospital. So I really thought that can we cuss on here? What do you think? I just thought they were talking your ass. (laughs) real, Real talk. I was like, you don't know me, you're just saying this. Um that kind of goes into your next question um, about, do I think being a woman of color impacted the way I got my diagnosis? I don't. I think that um, family history for me did because you know it was just, I'm in a room with a man I've never met before who looks at my chart and goes, oh, your dad was bipolar. You're probably bipolar too. Like that's how mm. I, so that's why I didn't mm. accept it. Cause I was just like, 
you don't know me. You're just saying this, like, you know? Um, And I felt like there was no real basis for it. And then like, I mean, you know, my life has like begged to differ because there's definitely the highs and the lows. Um, And, you know, I've been on medication for it and it, it helped even me out. So like, I know now that that's not like 100% fake, but it it took me a while um, because it's just, it's there's just so much stigma attached to mental illness that you don't wanna like, you know, it just it just feels like, okay, I have to, to wake up and fight every single day. And yeah. that is very demoralizing. It's very um, just like, it, it just, for me, it increased my suicidal ideations because I was just like, what is the point in living if, if, you know, I'm having to battle with my brain every single day, like that, that's no way to live. Um, so that's when I say like accepting, like it, it took a while to be like, okay, this is how things are. And like, I can, I can actually live and enjoy life even with these diagnoses and like, you know, it's not the end of the world. So for the longest, it was the end of the world, like every single day. Um, yeah. I have a question. It's not on the thing. So can you tell a little bit the people about your experience in the mental health facility? Like a lot of people, like, how was it for you? Um, so in terms of like, was it helpful? Was yeah, was it helpful for you? And then when did you when we got out, was they um, did you have enough resources? Um, and was they checking in on you? When you um, got out? Well, that that's basically like what I wrote about mm-hmm. in my, in my blog is that like I feel like personally it wasn't that helpful mm-hmm. the actual stay itself, um, but it did connect me with some helpful resources later Mm -hmm. on so like so being in the hospital like I didn't want to be there in the first place Mm -hmm. um I kind of was strong-armed into it because I had done some very um for lack of a better word like dramatic things Mm -hmm. and so you know people were concerned to the point that they were like no you have to go to the hospital because like yeah okay so it I didn't want to be there. I think it, if you want to be there, um, you know, you will probably get more out of it. Um, but I was just literally lying on my paperwork like every day. I was like, I feel better now. <laughs> Let me go home. Like, you know, this is fine. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, they, you know, they, their options when I was like, cause I was trying to leave, like they told me I could leave after two days and it, and they let me leave after three, but like, you know, they were, they were um, hesitant to allow me to leave. And they basically were like, okay, we'll let you go, but you have to sign this contract and you have to go to these classes every day or every week for like the next couple months. And so I did the classes and the classes that, that they sent me to mm-hmm. helped a lot, but like the group classes that they have in, um, in the facility were like kind of pointless for me personally yeah thank you you're welcome and this also isn't on our little interview list um but were you in new york at the time or were you in atlanta i was in georgia at the time okay when i had my hospital stay i was in georgia and then the next time i was on like the next time i was kind of on a psychiatric hold was in new york and that was just like for eight hours and they just like put me in a room and like literally did not give me anything. Like couldn't have my phone, couldn't read my books. Like they they just let made me sit in the room. And that was like, oh my God, this sucks. Like what, you know, oh. like, yeah, that, that was a lot. Uh, even though it was a shorter time, it was just a lot more like almost traumatizing. And I had to do a lot of like lying to get out of that situation. Um, Cause I have a feeling that the hospital situation would have been very different um than the one that i had in georgia so yeah gotcha so how would you say that your mental health diagnosis affects you on a day-to-day basis um since you've now come to terms with it and all of that jazz like how do you say it affects you day-to-day um i 
feel like the right answer would be, you know, I take my medicine every day, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so not that. Um, I am kind of at a point where I don't notice it as much anymore. I've developed um, a lot of coping mechanisms. So I'm fairly good at controlling my emotions now. Um, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, um, it was a different story. It was literally like every day, like the, the level of like energy that I was exhausting to like just live was extraordinary. Like it was, it was an exorbitant amount. And that was, you know, what I said led to feelings of like, why, why would I stay alive if living is going to be like this? Like, cause so the thing about bipolar or not bipolar, but borderline personality disorder is that, um, you know, your moods, your mood changes are like extremely rapid. And, um, you know, it just kind of felt like I was walking around like with glass bones and paper skin, you know, like <laughs> for lack of a better, you know, like it, like any little thing would break me. Like, you know, um, I had to work very hard to control my anger, to control outbursts, like at work, like it just, it was literally like, so much work and I don't think people like understood that and you know I was trying to make friends and they like to joke with me but I was not in a joking mood and I had to you know let people know like look you can't play like that with me like it's not it's not let me make Kiana mad for fun yeah because I will blow up I will literally like blow up and I've I've said a lot of uh disastrous things I've been extremely volatile in the past and so like it, you know, that the act of having to, you know, I've like reading a lot of books and like um, going to these behavior classes, like the point of that was for me to learn how to control myself. And so, you know, you think at, at any given moment, if I have a thought like, this, okay, this is how I will say it affects my day-to-day -day life. Like at any given moment, if I have a thought, I have to like, reel it back in you know like um the bible says like you know you have to renew your mind yeah mm -hmm. and, and it was literally like okay if i instantly think something bad about myself having to be like oh is that true no that's not true mm. and, and how do i how do i prove it's not true so i'm having to provide evidence like okay that was a lie that was like mental illness talking um, you know, I wrote about my experience with mania or hypomania and like, you know, I was literally about to quit my job over the phone one day just because I was like, okay, deuces and like, let me catch a flight. And I did catch a flight, but you know, I, I recognized like, oh, okay. Like the fact that I wanted to quit my job, like out of the blue was not my higher self. <laughs> that was not like a good thought like that was destructive impulsive and like so I've I've learned to second guess myself in a positive way you know to constantly be like to constantly check myself and make sure that like are my thoughts you know life-giving are my thoughts like based in reality or based in um you know these lies that I that come naturally that I just believe you know like yeah. it's um, I'm a lot better at that now. Like it really took, you know, a couple years of training to get to the point where like, now I would say the majority of my thoughts are pretty clear and, uh, concise. And I'm not having to constantly do that. Like, you know, like, you know, just double checking. Yeah. yeah. Is, it's is not it, like a conscious thing anymore. It's kind of like a habit at this point. Exactly. It's gotten to the point that it's, thinking like positive things and um just not catastrophizing every single event in my life is now yeah. this like this is my new normal and so that like feels amazing and that like you know was a long time in coming but uh yeah excited that you got to that place though yeah that's some yeah. good work <laughs> it is
So Kiana, how do your um how did your diagnosis affect your relationship with God in the church? Well, this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, give us the real. Give us the real. Right. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like me and God, we were not friends. <laughs> you know, we we were duking it out like every every day every week like I was I was very angry um at God about a lot of things like not just the mental things but like everything that was going on in my life and I I struggled you know I was like we fought a lot you know like <laughs> yeah I just it was it was like Mm, how do I how do I describe it it's like you know you read that God is good and God is all these things and you're looking at your life and I'm just like it's not adding up Lord yeah it's not computing mm -hmm. and I'm not good at math but I know this <laughs> so it's really it's it's another thing to to believe something when you you almost feel like there's no proof of it in your personal life you know and that took a lot to be like, you know what? The, I believe that the word of God and the Bible is true. And I believe that you're not a liar. And I believe these things. Can you show me? Like, I'm not seeing it. Can you prove it to me? And um, I would say that like my relationship with God was based in like seeking consolation and seeking comfort for you know my trials and so like you know I got to a point when that I don't struggle with it hardly anymore and at first it was kind of like well what do I talk about with God now you know like <laughs> like well, what do we do yeah. now like you like we good like you know so going from that like like, I love you, but I'm mad at you, but I'm gonna like dig in and really mm -hmm. like try my faith because I really want to believe these things, not only in my head, but also in my heart about you. Um, that required a lot of work. So, you know, I was, I was always reading my Bible. I was always worshiping. I was always doing these things um, because I was just like struck, like I, I need you, like I need air to breathe, like to hold on. So like God and I, we were really close, even though I was mad at him a majority of the time, like we were, we were really close because I was like, you know, it, it was just a different level of intimacy to just be like, prove it to me, yeah. like, you know, come through like for real. Yeah. And like, like, you know, like Rihanna says, like, pull up, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, if you're going to talk the talk, <laughs> go ahead and walk the walk in my life. Like we... Uh, God and I had a very intimate relationship throughout that process. Um, the church, however, <laughs> <laughs> the church, <laughs> I had to take a step back. And like, that was actually wild to me that like, in the time that I was struggling the most, I was not in church at all. And I had grown up, I had grown up in church. I was at church like, five, six days a week. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I'm volunteering anytime the doors are open. Like I, that was the level of which I was involved in church. And then I get to this point where I'm struggling so heavily. And I had a, it was kind of like a, a private fall from grace, but like the church leaders were all aware of what was going on in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it kind of felt like I was ostracized after that moment. Instead of being like, oh, okay, here is an individual who is so very broken, you know, like let's rally around her. And right. like, it, I did not have that experience. If, if anything, I felt like people were further villainizing me to be like, oh, like stay away from Kiana. Um, you know, I was even told I wasn't allowed in certain services like wow but yeah there was there was a lot there was a lot of stuff going on um with that but it just very much felt like people were like pushing me out and so I was just like okay well 
y'all. Like, <laughs> bump all y'all. Like, I really, you know, I, I honestly, to this day, I struggle with forgiveness um, towards a majority of pastoral staff um, at my old church because I just really felt like at a time when I really, really, really needed people around me that, you know, they left, they left me in the dust. That's how I felt. And so I was like, I, I was glad that I'd had a distinction between like my private relationship with God Mm -hmm. and what church was, because, you know, if I were taking their example for, you know, how they treated me and and equating that with God, I would have been walked away from religion. So I was glad I had that distinction because like, and, and sometimes people mean well, but you know, even there's a lot of like, talk about like mental illness being associated with demonic spirits and, and things like that. And like, while that can be true in some instances, like, I'm not going to say I don't believe in demonic spirits because obviously that that's the thing yeah like while that can be true in some instances like mental illness in general as a whole is not a demonic spirit and being told that over and over or having things being preached from the pulpit that you know were just very like detrimental to like you know my my well-being and Mm -hmm. um it it was just it was a lot yeah so yeah church and I were not friends for a long time that's crazy I was was just gonna say it's interesting because we literally talked about that on our last episode and how there we for me personally last year I had to realize how like that I had to forge my own relationship with God separated from the church because our church had a very interesting breakdown. And so I was like, you know what? I think we may be putting a little bit too much stock into the church, like too Mm -hmm. much weight. And so I I love hearing when people like finally draw that line between their personal relationship with God and then the church and being able to separate the two, although they are and can be connected. I think it's important that we separate because usually the church is, well, the church is ran by people. And people make mm-hmm. mistakes. People do things that aren't of God. Um, so, yeah, I think that's an important note to separate the two. <laughs> I was going to say, definitely. I don't know if I told y'all this, but Kiana and I, we grew up in the same church. We weren't really friends until, you know, a couple years ago. And ironically, it was through social media that I feel like I became friends with this lovely person. Wow. But also just like now kind of hearing what Kiana has said she experienced at the church. And it is really just kind of disheartening to know these leaders and to kind of see two sides of them, like to see how maybe they spoke to Kiana privately versus how they spoke to like me or like my other friends. Um, And it's incredibly unfortunate. Like, I think we have to hold our leaders to higher standards. Um, Our leaders should hold themselves to higher standards. I think there's so much education that can be done within the church on mental illness. Um, and there's a lot of work to do. I don't, I don't know if I'm called to do it, um, but I, I do think there's some work to do. Like that's not my ministry, but somebody, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> somebody should do it. Put it on a comment card. No, I was saying I do love that, you know, like the Bible say, only you only need a, uh, the faith of a mustard seed and you kept that faith in God. Like you, you, you like, I I was mad, but you had that little faith and that's all God asks us for is have that little bit of faith in him and know that everything's going to work out. Mm-hmm. So I just love that, you know, you kept that. And you can look like in my journal entry, <laughs> like, I'm like, Lord, I don't even have a mustard seed. Like, you know, like, <laughs> Like, I'm looking at mustard seeds and I'm like, this looks small, but my face is smaller. (laughs) I really feel it. But yeah, he he really stretched that muscle. (laughs) That's that's true faith when you do it, even if you don't, like, even if you're questioning and you still decide to like press forward and seek him. That's that's true. A lot of times in the church, people don't always give you like 
that as an option, you know, like it's kind of like, um, you know, there's like an unspoken thing about if you're like a bad Christian mm-hmm. like questioning God and things like, like I like, yeah, it just, it just the, the struggle, like with mental illness is people like make it seem like you don't have enough faith, like to yeah. be healed and things like that. And like, you know, just realizing like, no, I literally can have like, as long as I'm in relationship with the Lord, that relationship can be like, I'm mad at you. Like, right. Mm-hmm. And you're allowed to ask questions. Yeah. And if you ask yeah. questions, that doesn't mean that you don't believe. That means you're asking for clarification. What exactly did you mean by this? Why is this? You know, it's okay to get clarification on things. And it's not a bad thing to have those questions, but they do villainize mm-hmm. questions. Like it's just, <gasps> you said what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um even like saying like you don't have enough faith like god will heal you i feel like oftentimes that even crosses over to like physical disabilities or physical illness and that's one thing that like really just kind of like irks me because i don't i don't want to say this one's bad like i don't want to say god's not going to heal everyone but like sometimes like that's not his plan for you and i think that's probably a really hard thing to like conceptualize if you know that is your situation but it's I hate to say it's the truth but I feel like it is the truth I um one of my least favorite bible verses was um the um when Paul I'm pretty sure it was Paul who said like you know three times or like three times I asked the Lord to take it away from me and he says my grace is sufficient for you I read that and I was just like he said no, <laughs> like, <laughs> like he said no. Um, so yeah, like it's just so, like, like you said, like sometimes that is your lot. Sometimes God's grace is sufficient for you. And like, it sucks. Like when you're looking for that miracle and when you're looking for that relief from whatever it is that is ailing you and people are just kind of like, oh, well, you know, if you believe more and they place it like on on my shoulders, like when the whole time, like if God wants to heal me, that's on him, right? on me. And um, it it just creates a lot of frustration and like, you know, having that distinction to be like, okay, this is a frustration. It is with God, but this particular frustration is with the church and how they're interpreting, certain doctrines or whatever um to say this it's not necessarily like it's not necessarily the truth and that's why i gotta read the bible for myself and that's why i'm gonna find out for myself right um because i i don't i don't trust these people no more. <laughs> <laughs> i know for yourself there's a lot of false prophets out there mm-hmm. even even watching um what's that documentary called on netflix american american gospel something anyways it's about like word of faith churches where like or prosperity gospel churches where like people will come like what's his name i don't want to name the man name but um <laughs> he, he not getting no publicity over here but um he's a pastor and there'd be a lot of people who have physical disabilities coming to get healed and if there was they interviewed one guy and i think he may have had i don't remember but he was in a wheelchair and um to see how many people were like giving this man money because they said well you know you have to sow a bigger seed in order to get healed or you know and they were even turning some people away that physically couldn't show that they were healed on camera and to see how people take advantage of stuff like that and try and benefit from stuff and then say it's in the name of the lord i'm like you guys we have got Again, Morgan, somebody has to do something about this. Not my ministry, but <laughs> it's just, it's gotten to a point where it's just making certain, it makes it look bad. Like, yeah. Speaking of the church, what can the church do to support people with mental health challenges or concerns? Like, I know some churches have like counseling ministries where people who have are, you know, LPCs or social workers are actually trained. To address these like what do you think kind of is the solution within the church um that's a good one 
um, I haven't, you know, whenever um, people that I, that I know of have had like these ministries, um, it hasn't necessarily been like qualified people to give counseling. So that's like a, a very good distinction to have. Like we're gonna have a ministry for counseling but it's gonna be qualified people. I think that that would be amazing. Um, I think that uh, the church just needs to be educated. Um, I think that if you're in a position of leadership in the church that you know there are mental health first aid courses that you can take. Um, I know they're in New York. I think there's some in other major cities, like maybe in Atlanta. Um, I know they got shut down over COVID, so I don't know when they're coming back up. But there, there are mental health first aid courses that you can take that that teach you the language to use um, that is supportive language versus like spiritual bypassing language of like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, God has a plan for you or just pray about it pray about it they always say that pray about it yeah all of these things um are not actually dealing with like the issue um i think that you know the church could be a lot better about supporting individuals um i don't know what that looks like if it's like a prayer ministry that actually calls you up to pray if it's that the church takes the time to um you know, reach out to you throughout the week. I think it would be really cool if there was even some form of like financial component to helping people. Um, Cause I remember at one point I was, the medication I was on and I didn't have health insurance. The medication I was on cost about $300 a month. Wow. Um, and I didn't even have a job. So I'm over here like babysitting, charging it to the credit card, like grasping at straws to gather my coins to buy these medicines um that i need because i'm in a very like up and down kind of place and i like need them for stability i think that that would be like really great financial supporting um of that because you know not everybody can get health insurance it's very difficult yeah <laughs> conversation yeah, but that's yeah all yeah. <laughs> um, no, not, not yeah. So I really like that. Um, especially when you think about the function of the church mm -hmm. now. Like I feel like with COVID, there's churches who have reached so many people with just like YouTube or Instagram, but churches are in the community. And so to be community based means to support your community. And in my opinion, like that means if Kiana needs assistance paying for medication that that's what funds should go for that's what tithes should go for or like you know responsibly like responsibly use the funds still um but yeah I think that would kind of flip the paradigm of at least the last church I attended on its head <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I feel like the church can do is to, I don't want to say humble itself, but understand that there is a limit to what they can do and to, like you said, have some qualified professionals or have resources on hand where they can say, we're praying for you. We can't, you know, really help too much, but here's some resources that may be able to assist you further. Yeah. Because I feel yeah. like they're trying to, you know, take it all in and some things they're just not qualified to handle. Um, yeah. So, I don't know if humble themselves is the right word, but because that seems a little harsh, but humble themselves. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Like, it's like, oh, we'll just pray about it. And they think prayer is the answer for everything. Right. And yeah. What yeah. else? Yeah, we'll say Blueprint Church. That's the church in Atlanta that I know has like an actual mental health counseling ministry. With trained professionals, at least before COVID they did. So check out their website. What's the name of the church again? Blueprint Church. It's in the it's fourth ward. It's on Boulevard. Mm -hmm. okay. It's really cool. Okay. I mean, every I, I would go to say every church has a professional counselor in their congregation. And if they wanted to do something, you know. I'm sure they could, yeah. Yeah. How could a person support a friend that has some mental health challenges or concerns? Uh, I think 
the same things apply to friendships about getting educated at, at this day and age even if you don't want to read a book google exists and so you know there's all sorts of even on instagram there's all sorts of accounts geared towards mental health that talk about like oh things to do ways to help um how to support and i think that there's like no excuse for being a shitty friend when you know somebody is going through it mm -hmm. um you know just getting getting as educated as you can because like you know knowledge is power <laughs> and if you don't know mm -hmm. what to do then you're you're just stuck saying like the same old like shitty platitudes that everybody says you know and um so educating yourself I think I think a lot of times at least in my personal experience I know when I was like first struggling um a lot of people like stayed away from me because they didn't really know what to say or how to say it and um you know that what ends up happening is that like everybody stays away from you and you're just kind of like well well what now you know so I think like you know not assuming that somebody else like oh they have somebody else or like you know she has a lot of friends but just taking it upon yourself to be like hey I'm just checking in like what's what's going on how are you um I think a lot of times um you know, asking for practical ways to help people is great. Like I've, I've had friends come over and like help me clean my room and like things like that. I've had, um, you know, people be like, okay, um, I'm gonna hold you accountable for taking showers. You know, I'm gonna hold you accountable to, did you eat today? Um, various things like that, because like, it's, it's easy to just not, take any physical care of yourself at all. And um, so I think, you know, a lot of the times it's not even like texting people like, oh, how are you feeling? Because how I'm feeling changes 80 billion times, you know? And, and I don't even all the time know the words to describe how I'm feeling. So like, how are you feeling is not the best question to ask, but um, you know, what can I do for you? Um, things like that um, go a long way. Um, just a follow-up question on that one. I know earlier you mentioned um, having to set boundaries with your friends about certain jokes and things like that. Would you say, and I know you can't speak for everyone, but for you personally, would you say that that's a conversation that um, your friend that's struggling with mental health should lead? Or is that something that, you know, their friends could be like, hey, like, what are you comfortable with talking about? Or like, what are your boundaries on certain things? I I think in general, if somebody is like just barely able to like stay alive, that you know their their only their only responsibility is just staying alive. So I feel like if you want to have these clarifying questions, like it it's really on the other person to be like like you know what what is okay, like what you know um, it takes you know I know specifically for like individuals um that have um borderline personality disorder like forming boundaries is like extremely difficult um so like you know my boundaries were like porous at best you know like if they even existed um so you know unfortunately i would put up with a lot and um you know if i i had other friends you know tell me about boundaries and like you know um I have always been extremely nervous to make them because I perceive boundaries as kind of rejection in a way you know like like I don't know like certain things like people having boundaries like healthy boundaries for the longest time felt like it was like a personal rejection like what do you mean like you know you don't want me to joke with you oh damn so you don't like my sense of humor and you don't you know that kind of thing. So I'm, I am understanding of how like it's a transition, you know, but um, for the most part, I think that um, making space to have these conversations um, like sets you apart as a great friend. Cause you know, most people don't 
even think about that. Like, you know, is this okay to joke about? Um, some things, you know, over time, um, people have joked about some, you know, very sensitive topics. Um, and, you know, I find it funny now because, you know, I'm just like, oh, yeah, like I was pretty dramatic back then, you know, dramatic, but like severely mentally ill. Um, but like, I feel like, you know, that has to be a conversation that's had about like, is this something we joke about? You know, because like, if not, it's just like uncomfortable, like, oh, damn, like I tried to kill myself and people make it a joke. And yeah. that's not a good feeling. Um, but, you know, you know, you get hit with that. Oh, no, that's too soon. Um, that that's in time and time and like, it's good to have those conversations. Thank you so much. Welcome. So um, let us know why did you create, well, let the, the audience know why did you create your blog? So um, the whole the whole thing kind of came about because I, like I said, I um, first was writing my Instagram captions, like really long captions, but I just got to a point where I didn't want to just show the highlight reel on social media. You know, I didn't want in my Instagram to just be like, oh, look, um, you know, I'm me, I'm having such a nice time. Or like, look, my, my boyfriend is so romantic because I was one of those, you know, like relationship pics. And, you know, meanwhile, we were going through so much stuff, you know, and um, it just, I don't like, well, first I don't like being fake. So it wasn't even that it was fake because, you know, there were nice moments, but like it felt disingenuous to only show the nice moments. And, you know, I was struggling a lot. And so for me personally, the, the shift in my social media came when like after I had tried to kill myself was because it was just like, I was bottling so much up inside that it was just like okay this is awful and i was always i well i won't say i was bottling up inside i just was confiding in the wrong people so i think what it was for me was like being like okay this is not going to be like a secret any longer like i just want to come out and say it to everyone that way if i don't get support in this circle like i can get support in a different circle because I just want everyone to know my business, you know, because I, at this point, I was struggling to find a support group. And so, um, like, I, I just needed all the support I could get. So I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna open up and be vulnerable about this and how I'm feeling. And, you know, it was, it still is, but it was like extremely like scary um, to put myself out there, but I just received such a like outpouring in return of like love and support. And then, which helped me. And then the other side of that was that there were a lot of other people reaching out to me like, hey, I've experienced this, I've experienced that. Um, you know, I see that you've gone through the same things. Do you want to talk about it? And so I was able to like, channel everything that was poured into me and reach out and pour into somebody else. And so I wanted, um, you know, I wanted to just move that to a different format. And I was hoping like, and you know, even in time, I know one day it will reach more people. And um, so that's how I'm trying to. I love yeah. it. You are gonna reach a lot of people. I love, I think so you're, you're so honest and and a lot of people, when it comes to mental health, are not honest with what's going on. A lot of people, like especially people of color, we 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 put it in the closet, like, oh yeah, like oh I got diagnosed, but I don't want everybody to know. But yeah. you know, it's like talk about it because there's a lot of people out there that's going through the same things as you are, and y'all can have a community and help each other out. So I love it. Same, especially especially the burn the highlight reel. Yeah, especially with this day and age, people just love to show the good things and nobody That's ever it. talks about the negative. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's always like really struck me is just how transparent you are on your social media. And I think like 
because like I said we grew I I should have known you growing up but I really didn't until like two or three years ago which is so wild but you're so transparent and I feel like that is not only like what makes your your blog effective but it also like humanizes you and like it makes you approachable because I didn't know you but I was still like dang like I'll ask this girl out for ice cream like I, <laughs> I don't know you're just you're just great I've met some really great people from from social media and because I've put myself out there. And so like, I'm really, um, I'm just so thankful for it. Cause even, even in the relationships I already had, like the depth of those relationships have like increased dramatically um, all from like, just like this radical vulnerability, like, you know, um, so highly recommend. <laughs> and where is your blog located like shame plug it girl we need to find it okay it's www.mentalhealthtings.com um yeah All right. and your instagram handle yes handle? my ig is kiana b chisel or um mental health underscore t-i-n-g-s yeah and okay. um, we'll have it in the show notes for you okay. guys to go check out too all righty so your uh, blog definitely has like an educational component to it um so what do you want people to learn from your blog i think more than anything i want people to learn that it's okay to talk about mental illness it's okay to talk about what you struggle with um yeah, I, I want the whole conversation to be destigmatized. And that literally only happens if we have people talking about it. So I love meeting people online who also have blogs about mental health, mental illness, because I'm just like, I, I want as many people talking about this as possible. Because everybody, um, not everybody struggles with mental illness, but everybody does have a brain so everybody has some varying forms of like mental health and so it's important to know just about yourself to have like the language to describe like your feelings your emotions um and realizing like you know is what you're feeling neurotypical or is it something else and like you know the the truth is a lot of people are undiagnosed with mental illness and they don't know it like I, I didn't realize anything was wrong with me until I read the, that Twitter thread, you know? And when I realized like, okay, so I'm seeing, I'm seeing similarities and that like got the ball rolling for me to, um, you know, get a diagnosis, get help, get treatment. So the more people talk about it, the more they can, um, I want them to learn about themselves and I want them to learn about other people. Um, yeah, I just, I want, I want it to not be like a whole big thing. If you, if you know somebody that is struggling with mental illness being like, what do I do? Like, I want it to be such a conversation that like, you know, it's, it's natural to be like, oh, okay, well, I know this other person and, you know, here's what they, like, I feel like everybody can be versed in talking about mental illness and like talking about mental health. Love it. I love that. Eyes and lows? We'll let our guests go first. Eyes and lows. Okay. Um, my high of this week is that I finished my manuscript for my, <laughs> my book. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm writing a book about my life. It's a memoir. And uh, I finished my first draft, but the edited first draft of it. And um, so that has been like, like a big weight is off my shoulders. Um, Cause I feel like, okay, I did something, I accomplished something. Um, and then it puts another weight on my shoulders. Like, oh, now I have to do research and find a publisher. <laughs> um, so I'm, I am so excited because I just, I love telling my story, obviously. I love telling my story through podcasts, through um, my my blog and um, I've always wanted to write a book and so I 
I just can't wait for everybody to read that. So I finished and it feels great. That's my high. And um, I think my low is that there's currently a leak in the ceiling in the bathroom. Oh. Um, <laughs> so the super has to come and fix that. Um, I'm, I'm staying at my sister's house and they went out of town. So I'm just kind of like, of course this happens on my watch and didn't happen <laughs> when they were here. So that's a little frustrating, but you know, in comparison to the high, it's, it's whatever, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a big old high. Congratulations. That is. I'm so excited <laughs> to read, read it. Who <laughs> wants to go next? Um, so my high was I graduated. <laughs> so yeah, and then I got a job. So oh no two highs, I guess. <laughs> wow. Coming yeah. in hot with the two highs. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. And then Malo, I mean, follow me on Instagram, you know, me and the horse. Uh, Jackson. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I decided to go on horseback riding on my vacation after graduation. And um, Mr. Leah, <laughs> Mr. Jackson was the most hard-headed horse I ever um uh, ever heard of. Um, first of all, I think he was auditioning for the Kentucky Derby. And um, yeah, he just—I I felt like I was gonna die, y'all. Like I—I I literally. While I was on here, I was like, I'm gonna die. It's an alligator in the in the lake, and I'd rather get ate by the alligator to be on this horse at this point. Um, yeah, so wow. he, he, bit, he bit other horses in the butt and everything. So you know what? It it was horrible. Okay, nobody ever asked me ever in their life to ride a horse. Okay, because I would never do it. I don't care. So yeah, that's my low. But you know, graduating, you know, find a job, and that was, that's my. Amazing. Jackson just messed it up for all the other horses. <laughs> I would never ride a horse again. Oh. <laughs> but you are a college graduate with a new job, and I'm just so happy and proud of you. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> so my high for this week would be that I got two really big compliments at work, which make me feel really great because I have like really bad imposter syndrome for work and it's something that I'm working on. Um, and so to have that validation really made me feel good because sometimes I'm like, dang, I'm gonna get fired. This is it, this is the day I will be jobless. Um, but just to hear like really positive feedback made me feel really great. Um, and then my low would be, um, I mean, I just have like a lot to work on in general, but in terms of like, you know, like not letting when I'm rejected get me down or like affect my mood in the sense that like I'm like not as kind to others. Like that's something that I don't like to see in myself. I don't like experiencing one bad thing and then like, you know, being rude or unkind to someone else. And that definitely did happen last week. And so I'm um, not super proud about that. So that's my low. My, my high is... I think on the last episode I mentioned I had a job interview or something. Well, last week I was offered two jobs, which I accepted both of them. Ooh. However, my low is one of the two jobs that I was supposed to start today. I got an email last night saying that HR didn't confirm it or something. So I've been at home all day. So that's my low. But do you still have a job? I, I'm not in the system, so anyways, that's my little vibe. But the other, the second job, the bartending job I have has been fantastic thus far. It's so fun. The team is amazing. I don't know if I make very good money yet. Um, I haven't got a paycheck, but it's fun. And I love talking to the people. But that other job, I was very excited about as well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just not sure when I start, you know, you know, I gave them two weeks. I got two weeks. They got two weeks. Don't know what they did with their two weeks, but I wrapped up all my stuff in my two weeks. So I'm a little confused, but, <laughs> but yeah, so that's my high and low. Okay. Two job offers in one week though. Right. That's amazing, girl. Right. You talking about double blessings. Right. It's, it's actually stressful. I mean, it, I'm grateful for it, but it's stressful because you'd be like, dang, I accepted one thinking the other one wasn't come through and it came through and now I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. 
<laughs> so I just kept them both. Dynamic. As soon as they get it together, it'll work. Yeah. Mm-mm. I'm I'm trying to, you know, one of my friends was like, they're probably struggling. They probably have one person in their HR department, like they hire <laughs> me, man. <laughs> I can give them together. You should. Like, I need to send them your information. Right. Send my resume to them. Oh. But yeah, so hopefully that works itself out. I don't know when I'm gonna go to work, but I had the day off. So Yeah. Woo. <laughs> so thanks so much for listening and thank you kiana for joining us our next episode we will have a mental health professional on here uh, just talking to us about accessing some services so thanks so much for listening make sure that you're following us and kiana on instagram thanks for listening but now we want to hear from you Follow us on IG at the letter OK Girl Let's Talk and send us a message to let us know what you think about today's conversation and what we should talk about next. Until next time.